Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. I am sitting across from Anya Pearson and Jamie Ray, who are working on a piece called Made to Dance in Burning Buildings, which is by Anya. Jamie's directing it. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. Such a pleasure Thank you for having us. It's a very exciting piece, Anya. And two years ago, I interviewed you about this piece. And it's, I think it's exciting for people who are listening to know how long it takes to create a piece like this. Yes. Well, this um, is my baby. So uh, it, I guess people always ask me, like, how long did it take you to write it? And like, how long have you been working on it? And uh, I offer some version of the answer. Well, when do you start counting? Because um, this specific piece, um, the idea was birthed uh, when I was 17. Mm. And it was in response to um, my teacher, uh, a wonderful teacher, shout out to public school in California, um, my AP Blacklit teacher assigned for color girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough mm-hmm. by Ntozaki Shange. And that book saved my life. Um, and it's also the reason that I became an artist. And after reading it and then getting to see a production of it, I knew that I wanted to be uh, to girls of the next generation what Entozaki Shange was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she not only did she keep me alive, literally, uh, but she also gave me the hope and the strength to be able to know that even when I didn't know how it was going to happen, that one day I would be able to survive um, what was going on in my life the the depths of my PTSD and my despair uh, because I needed to get to the other side so that I could share my story and have it be something that could hopefully empower other survivors. And that is this play. Um, and so this iteration of it, Jamie and I have been working on together since 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you and I talked about it in 2017 when we were doing a workshop here in Portland. Mm-hmm. And then we had the privilege of going to New York last year to do it at uh, Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. Where a New York theater critic, Anthony Piccioni, called it a standout. Yeah. Pretty exciting. And now we are back in Portland for the world premiere at the- Shaking the Tree. Bringing up that critical remark, which I think is always interesting to think about personal work and how those types of remarks impact you throughout this process. As an artist, I know I have to be somewhat careful about who I let in to my process. How do you protect yourself in that, especially in this type of work that is so deeply personal? Yeah, it's... um. It's a very delicate dance, I think, you know, one that I sometimes <laughs> execute more successfully than others. Um, it definitely helps having my work wife there with me. Jamie and I are uh, creative soulmates. And so it is, I feel so grateful, more grateful than I can put into words to have her by my side, mm-hmm. you know, because um, she's also my best friend. So like I can <laughs> check in with her and on a day when I'm feeling the emotional weight of the piece more than another, um, I can check in with her about that and say, you know, this is this is what I need to take care of myself in this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and on other days, like I see the effect that the piece has on the collaborators in the room and the the strength and the empowerment that they derive from it, and that gives me extra strength to be able to go there, um, to be able to hold. Um, the kind of out-of-body experience of my life story being acted out by 10 artists in a room. Um, and so uh, 
I, I get strength from the fact uh, uh, that I created this piece to help others, which mm. was, you know, the mission even back when I was 17 before I knew how I was going to get to the place where I could do it, um, you know, because this is how I fight, right? Mm. There's, um, there's so many survivors who need uh, something to help them keep going. And um, you're speaking about being a survivor, and I just want to help everyone understand sure. who's listening, what are you a survivor of? Um, well, I'm a survivor of many things, uh, but specifically this play is about uh, surviving rape. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am a survivor of gang rape, and I am also um, a survivor of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are things that imprint on your life and you never fully get over. Uh, but the play itself is about the journey of healing in that um, you learn how to move to a place where they are not actively destroying your life in a way that you cannot function. Um, so the play chronicles the journey to be able to get to a place where you can pick yourself back up and survive life on a daily basis. So here's an interesting question for you, Jamie. When you are working on a piece of this kind of emotional magnitude mm. and you have a lot of people in the room mm-hmm. and you have to honor Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to, but you would hope <laughs> but she does. that people would honor the emotional content mm-hmm. of, well, Anya in particular, mm-hmm. and then everyone else in the room has their own dance with probably various other types of PTSD or abuse. Mm-hmm. How do you take, how does the container hold all those stories? And then how do you also know when to say, now we're moving on to this story? to what we're doing. You know, there's what you're doing and then there's what is coming up for you. Yeah. How do you do that as a director in a compassionate way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And it's actually incredibly important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more important to me at the end of the day than making a great play. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I don't happen to believe those are mutually exclusive, Mm -hmm. but if if something were to come up in the room that we could not, handle that we could not hold, um, that would need to take priority. Um, because the piece is specifically about helping people navigate those things. Mm -hmm. Um, so further, uh, perpetrating those things in your life, being a, another source of trauma for you Mm -hmm. is against the piece to help make sure that doesn't happen. Um, there's a few things uh, we actually screen for it in auditions. Mm. So it's on your audition form. We mm. talk about what the piece is about and mm-hmm. we ask you to seriously consider whether or not this is something you want to go into in your life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I emphasize it, you know, it's, it's its own line and they fill it out before they bring you their form. Um, but then also when we're talking right at the end of their audition, I ask them again. Um, and, because uh, there are all kinds of reasons. Nothing bad has to have happened to you for you not to want to spend 10 weeks of your life in this kind of material. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a certain level of self-assessment from them and then assessment from us in the room saying, does this feel good or not? And there have been times when, uh, when other people have said, actually, I don't think this is healthy for me right now. And there have been times when Anya and I have agreed, this is probably not the best thing for this person right now. It's so awesome, though, even that consideration is a part of your larger process of engaging with people in an honest way about a very difficult subject. Yeah. And it doesn't end up on the stage necessarily, or maybe it does. 
Uh, I guess I feel like everything, all of the care that you put into the room is what ends up on the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the the environment that the artists build with each other, those relationships, you know, like that is what ensemble looks like. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when that ensemble is taking care of each other mm-hmm. and and when they're out on their own. Yeah, those relationships you know? are palpable. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell. And, and while you might not be able to name it, mm-hmm. you know from an audience perspective, whether they are connected to each other or not. Yeah, and I think that really permeates the room. Yeah. In a, and, in a spiritually interesting way and potentially even a physical way. I've talked to, about this with other artists about sound and how it permeates your body and yeah. feelings and because they enter your body through your ear bones. And yeah, yeah, it yeah. Just, it's kind of wonderful to think of it in that way. And then the other thing that we do, um, this is actually not the first piece I have worked on that Mm -hmm. is around this subject matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've partly had the privilege of learning over time, of Mm -hmm. trying things that worked and not. Um, But the other big thing, we actually start, there's a container that holds the day. Mm -hmm. Um, We start, uh, uh, I have a little ritual, I will call it, but we have a way that we start and end every day. And Mm -hmm. that has specifically is designed to hold space for whatever is coming up for you. Um, without explicitly asking you, are you having, you know, stuff today? It's just a forum and without fail, like if something is up for people, it comes up. And if you do it every day over time, it becomes, it's part of holding that safe space. Um, I also have a, uh, a spiel that we talk about at the beginning, just saying like, things are, things are going to come up for you. And mm-hmm. th- here's a whole chain of people that you can talk to, whoever feels comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then the directing process is a little different. You know, I, some part of my eye is always on how is the room doing today? Mm-hmm. And so, for example, on this piece, we had one day where one of the artists, um, uh, she just broke down crying mm-hmm. and, and she was okay, but, um, crying is all m- okay. You know, Another but like part of our culture, we're like, oh, she's crying. Like, That's actually just part of super life. healthy. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it did mean, you know, but it, like in assessing the room, I was like, but we need to stop and let that be as long as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So other people ran their lines and, you know, and we sat with her and uh, and Anya had a chat with her and I had a chat with her just to kind of wait until she was where she needed to be. And. Mm-hmm. We closed out our day and went home. So it's part of it is just being willing to recognize that the plan you made for the day is not necessarily going to be the most important thing that happens. <laughs> oh, life. Yeah, <laughs> right? So here's a, an interesting thing I've been thinking about a lot is how do you as artists wake up in the morning to ready yourselves for the task at hand? Do you have a ritual? I mean, I was interested in the ritual that you use to open and close your rehearsals because I find that lots of these things that we do as artists are really lovely for people who aren't artists to think about how to open mm-hmm. up their the space to be engaged in a meaningful and generous way in the world. Mm-hmm. How do you wake up in the morning? Do you have rituals that you do to help you open up for the day? That is a wonderful question. Um, I think uh, something I'm still trying to solve for myself that I was just talking to Jamie about this yesterday is um, how how to do it all. And um, oh, women! So, like, right? <laughs> um, so my day starts every morning uh, by trying to get out of the house on time to get my daughter to school. Oh yes, uh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, which you know. 
doesn't always happen on time. Um, uh, but I, but I feel like one of the things that I am struggling with is how to figure out how to get everything done in a day, which usually doesn't happen. Cause there's like, <laughs> I said to my daughter the other day, I have a million things on my to-do list. And she said, a million, really? And she ran downstairs <laughs> to my mom and she was like, don't talk to mom. She has a million things on her list. Oh. Literally a million. She's very busy. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> but that's how many feel like are on there. And uh. I um, I think one of the other things like about letting go of when the day doesn't go the way that you want it to go that I think is uh, independent of like the larger message of uh, me trying to empower survivors and tackle the insidiousness of rape culture with this play and make space for especially survivors of color. Um, I am also interested in my life moving forward, um, trying to make more space for being in the mess of my life and allowing by leading through example, other women to be in the mess of their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've noticed, especially with this process, like um, the more that I am allowing people to see my mess, the more it gives per them permission to be in their mess. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, my daughter and I are reading Brene Brown's book right now, mm -hmm. Daring Greatly. Mm -hmm. and, I, and women are not often given the permission to look messy. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. supposed to be perfect. Of course. Everything's supposed to be easy. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah, I just whipped this up. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, cuck. life is challenging and it's yeah. okay to break down crying or to be challenged or to say, this sucks hard. It's, it, yeah. And I just agree with that 100%. I love that, that you're exposing the mess. Yeah. I'm all yeah. for it. Um, it started exposing we, like, the mess camp exposing yes, the mess campaign. Yes, the mess campaign. Like, uh, one under of the, the bed. Um, <laughs> Under my bed is mess. <laughs> One of the actors who is acting in Made to Dance was um, my dramaturg intern on another commission that I've been working on, which is an adaptation of Agamemnon. Mm. And so the, she and I have both been stressed because we, for the last, for January, we have been rehearsing every night of the week. And for like, um, she had not been doing double rehearsals on the weekend, but every night of the week. Mm -hmm. And um, the other day in rehearsal, Jamie did this lovely thing where we had to say something that we admire about someone else in the room. Mm. And hers was how um, she has been feeling very stressed out about how busy she's been. But she's noticed how I have handled it with such grace. And I have been her rock because of how much I have handled it with grace. But internally, I have felt like such a mess through the process. But that like, you know, veneer that you put on of like you can't show it to anybody mm -hmm. and I um while I so appreciated her comment I felt like oh you know I actually did her a disservice by not showing her that I was as stressed out as she was yes through that process that's so interesting that I 100% concur and again it's this dance of who we are supposed to be and by just going there and being vulnerable, we do help each other in such a deep way. Which is a huge part, actually, of the question you asked me, of the answer to the question you asked me. Anya and I spend a lot of time talking about our stories in the room in an effort to be like, whatever is coming up for you is fine. And I have to be really careful, even on days when it feels like people are unfocused and not paying attention, to assess whether that's... Uh, 
just people being tired and they need somebody to help them snap back into focus. And when that's because something is actually coming up for someone and they are having trouble executing. Being in the the, room. Being in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then to invite that actually into the room to say, Hey, let's actually stop and take a minute. What Mm -hmm. is that for you? Right. You know, and a lot of times it's, um, it's something simpler, like they care so much about the piece and they are worried that they're fucking it up. Mm. I probably shouldn't have said that. Sorry. I don't think it's a problem. Okay, great. Um, (laughs) Beep. Post. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it is preventing them from being able to participate. Mm -hmm. Or if it's something larger, like this thing we're doing is, uh, is triggering a physical experience for them and, and we just need to put them in a different Mm. shape is the other thing that I guess I love about the process is Mm. that just the, the simple act of navigating through the show and realizing, you know, we had um, an actor the other day who uh, had this really intense physical, uh, she like got scary claustrophobic all of a sudden. And mm-hmm. I saw it happen on her and I didn't know what it was until she named it. Um, but she f- suddenly felt so stuck and she was even having trouble telling me like what she did or didn't want to do. And, but ultimately being able to say like, we can just make a new choice, mm-hmm. like was huge for for that moment for her. And those little things that just remind you as a life practice, you're asking, what do we do in life practice to say, actually, that is usually true in in a lot of situations in your life. Yes. You Mm -hmm. know, but but because we get so focused on what we are supposed to be doing or what something is supposed to look like or after or Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, or we are stuck in a traumatic pattern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, recognizing that actually it, it can be a small thing. Yeah. And a generousness it, on your part you know? as mm-hmm. a director, you have an idea of what you want, but to have flexibility sure. within that is yeah. like a generous Or way even of being. like, you know, the fear of, you know, maybe that's not the choice you want as the director. So sure. I'm afraid to ask for a new choice because I'm afraid I'm not going to please you right. by asking. Right. And, look, yeah. and look like a diva yeah. or all those other sure, words right. that people give artists who ask for yeah. what they want. Or women. Crap. Yeah. 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 And so, like, it's it's actually... Um, actually find that holding that container, you know, as Anya said, like writing this piece is the way she fights. Mm -hmm. Working this way, the way we are working Mm -hmm. is the way that I do. Mm -hmm. Like creating that space is actually a huge part of what's important to me in the making of it at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you get up, you, what time did you get up this morning? Oh, I get up at seven this morning. Get up at seven. And then, and how do you, I just started kind of like a new ritual for myself. Yeah. And how do you do it? Um, you know, you actually asked, you asked two, for me, I actually heard two questions. Mm-hmm. You asked, what do you, you know, how do you get up in the morning? Mm-hmm. But then to prepare yourself for the work. Yeah. And those are two different things for me because mm-hmm. at the moment we're rehearsing at night. Mm-hmm. So it's, so I, I actually, uh, I actually have something else I do to transition into that, yeah. to oh. be ready for that space, okay. which is cool. separate than getting up in the morning. Yeah. But in terms of how I get up in the morning, things that are, um, that are, are important to me these days, uh, I actually lie, uh, I deliberately, I have a very gentle alarm clock mm. that fades <laughs> up. And that's um, a nice idea. It's it's fantastic. I'm a lot explore of that alarm clocks do that these days. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. morning, my alarm clock was very mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> and you can start very them. Mad. Usually, like you can start them a couple minutes early so that they get they they will ultimately get as loud as you want them to. It's kind of like the gentle jiggle uh, of the mom. Exactly. Yeah. You know. I don't if know your mom how was the one who woke that. you up. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. I don't have my like you know 
Chernobyl alarm clock anymore. Just so you know. Uh, Anya's alarm clock used to be like an air raid siren. Well, you probably sleep pretty hard. I do. Because you're a busy woman. You've got a million things to do on your to-do list, for heaven's sake. I also have really bad insomnia. But when we were in um, New York, I felt so bad because we we were all in one Airbnb um, and like... Jamie had this like lovely, very peaceful alarm clock that wake her up, and then Maya would be like, ah, ah, ah. Just, "Man, your lifeboats! Man, your lifeboats!" <laughs> Which is another way to get up. Um, but I also like I actually lie in bed for a minute and uh, awake, but not forcing myself to like leap up, mm-hmm. then just check in about my day. Mm-hmm. And and I also check in about how I'm feeling because mm-hmm. a lot of times these days when I'm super busy or I'm uh, heavily into problem solving. Like if something came up in rehearsal and I like, I don't know how to fix it yet. Um, uh, if I get up in that anxiety, it is hard for me to hold that container. Mm-hmm. Like you said. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, I just need to take that minute of, of self-awareness. And if I am feeling anxious, it's not that I don't, um, I don't have a solution for not feeling anxious, Mm -hmm. but like having that self-witness when I'm still sleepy enough that it's not, uh, overtaking. Yeah. It's softer. Yeah. And to be like, okay, so what's, what's up today and and what are we stressed about? And is that something we actually need to be worried about or are we just, you know, and, and like I said, it doesn't necessarily make it go away, but it helps me organize it, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and organize my relationship to it. Live with it. And then, Yeah. And then make a make a little plan for myself. I love lists. Mm-hmm. Big list fan. Um, written down. Uh, I prefer them written down because mm-hmm. then you get to cross things off, which is incredibly oh, satisfying. Crossing off is just like, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> um, someday I'm just going to take someone else's list and cross it all out, <laughs> you know, just to have it. As long as it's not mine, because that would give me anxiety. <laughs> we're funny. we're just three women with a lot of messes, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Embrace the mess. That's right. It's, it's what it is, man. Yeah. Yep. But um, if I don't have something to write with, a lot of times I will just determine how many things there are. Mm-hmm. And if I have the number, the number helps me remember them later. If mm-hmm. I know there were five things, mm-hmm. when I then get up and get to the pencil, I can write them down. This thing I wrote down when I had watched some of excerpts on, your, on the side at Shaking the Tree mm-hmm. was the word securing affection. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think that kind of speaks to where what we're talking about, the reasons why we dull ourselves to mm-hmm. showing our messes and so on. How do you think women can step out of the cycle that puts securing affection ahead of their own safety mm. and their own true self? I mean, I, th- I think it's kind of maybe baby steps. Some women, of course, have to do more than that totally. to save their own life, literally. But are there ways that just what, what does that bring up for you in terms of securing affection? That just really rung out to me. It's a beautiful question. The way you phrased it, that's a beautiful question. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that is hands down the single biggest challenge that any baby girl born into this world right now has mm-hmm. um, because there are so many places that it comes at you Mm -hmm. um, from advertising to built into the fabric of our language. If you think about most of the insults, most of them insult women. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, uh, even like son of a Mm -hmm. is you're not insulting the guy you're insulting his mom. Right. Um, There's a, 
MF. almost huh mf yeah also right exactly like and why is that a bad thing don't you want someone to have slept with your mother that's how you came to be isn't that a good thing hmm. so it's like it's but it's just like i i could talk for the rest of the interview about all of the ways in which there are little things that just insidiously oh permeate mm-hmm. everywhere so mm-hmm. even when you are a, a woman is as uh self-aware and empowered as she knows how to be that little girl has that she is trying to breathe into the world the deck is stacked against her it is still Mm -hmm. legal to pay women less it is still legal uh you know like et cetera et cetera et cetera and so um i think uh i think women taking care of each other is a huge part of it because Mm -hmm. our culture also trains us to be against each other women fight each other Mm -hmm. as much as men do and that culture it like we're where we are fed that. Mm-hmm. That is a taught experience. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Competition. Yeah. yeah. Prettiest. Um, and, you know. you know, it's almost always the first adjective mm-hmm. that we use to describe a woman is mm-hmm. whether or not she's beautiful. We almost never start with, oh my God, she's so powerful or she's yes. so, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, because those other adjectives um, aren't perceived as womanly qualities, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. not have not been perceived as womanly. Mm-hmm. I have two daughters. You have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about this a lot. Yeah. One of my daughters is a, a very incredible athlete. She runs for a D1 school. She's in a com- very high competitor. And it's the culture within even these sport teams, which don't engender loving kindness. Mm-hmm. It blows my socks off. I can't believe, and I'd like to know if anyone has these types of statistics, I would like to know when teams engender a sense of love and caring among their teammates it's got to improve their ability mm-hmm. i just don't believe i can't believe it that can't be true does she you, um what she's a runner mm-hmm. um i wonder if it's different with team sports mm-hmm. versus individual sports yes and interestingly um, it's kind of a team sport because they compete yeah you know they all get points and all but i see i know your point like they have to work together yeah in a um, team sport you know some track things with a um, yeah, because like I, um, I was an athlete, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, like, it is a very harsh competitive environment it and is. like, um, but there, there was a sense of camaraderie. Like I played basketball. Mm. There was a sense of camaraderie amongst us as teammates. Mm-hmm. Like the coaches were, <laughs> the coaches were super hard on us. Very mean, yelled at us all the time, that kind of stuff. But there was definitely more of a sense of like, the, it was like the team against the world kind right. of thing. Um, it's tricky, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, because I mean, in certainly in the world of art making similarly, yeah, you have an opportunity to make work and other people want to make work too. And how yeah. do you believe that there's enough for everybody? Yes. There's definitely some, that is, that is actually so, uh, so frustrating for me. I feel like the, by design, our, our work in particular, like mm-hmm. theater in particular, mm-hmm. um, is only successful when it is collaborative. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, by design, um, we are living we are living that. Like the success comes from working together and how much uh, how much we are how rarely we are able to take that outside of that room, mm-hmm. even yeah. amongst each other as a community is really frustrating to me. I feel oh, like yeah. what the work you do every day shows you it's, that it is better when we do it th- together. But <laughs> I feel like that like but at the same time, there is a natural sense of like 
infighting and catfighting and why did she get that part and why didn't I get it? And, you know, like all of that kind mm-hmm. of... You know, again, people don't want to talk about the messy piece, Yeah, which is I'm hurting because I didn't get that job. Right? I yeah. could have done that. And you go and see it and you see that other person up doing it and you're like, God dang it. I could yeah. have done it. But we don't tell anyone that. That would be, that would be unseemly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't want something that, hmm, yeah. it's awkward. There's yeah. All that. Well, and what do you want? Huge. You know, you, you sort of started by asking what, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of it is being willing to show your mess, as Anya was saying, mm-hmm. being um, being willing to uh, recognize, like acknowledge, be honest with yourself about the situation that you're experiencing and how you're feeling about it. Mm-hmm. My mom, uh, my mom was amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, but one of the many little things that she did. Um, she used to wear makeup every day um, and she didn't like it, but she did it because she felt like she had to, to be respected professionally, mm-hmm. that that was just the way the world works. Mm-hmm. And she was aware of that within her and she did not want us to have it. Mm. And she explicitly named to both my sister and I multiple times when we were small that uh, makeup is not bad. She also had a, a wonderful friend, um, who wore makeup every day because she loved it. Mm. And it was like the way she treated herself, you know, mm. it was part of her ritual mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm. And she felt fancy and fabulous and <laughs> um, and not, uh, not because she didn't think she was good enough without it, but mm-hmm. because she just, it was her treat to herself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my mom made a point to say it's not about the makeup, but it is about whether, like, do it if you want to. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, and because she was just aware that... Um, she could say whatever she wanted, but we would be feeling what she's feeling. And if she didn't acknowledge that she does it, even though she doesn't like it, mm-hmm. we would carry that. And she was like, don't, like, please hear what I'm saying, not what I'm doing, mm. and know that um, that I mean it. Mm. I just don't know how to live it. Mm. Um, and it worked. Mm. Neither my sister nor I ever feel like we have to. Right. You know, so so sometimes it's about being willing to be vulnerable and and name the things that you are aware of to uh, on both sides, both to say it, but then acknowledge when you're not feeling empowered enough to live it yourself. Yes, in the hopes that other people, um, you know, be they your friends or your children. Yeah, that's how I think yeah. it's a great also to bring up. We're all on our path in trying to. Uh, absorb these ideals and yeah. the ability mm-hmm. to do those things and just for your mom to acknowledge, you know, I'm on my path and this is where I'm at. Yeah. This is what I believe. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to yeah. be like, I'm doing it. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we're, we're trying to do, do it. It's, that's okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. So I have a couple of fun kind of questions, although the first one's now looking like, not that fun, but <laughs> describe the perfect ending to a stressful day. Mm. <laughs> I know you don't drink, Jamie. I don't, but I knit and I drink hot chocolate. Okay, uh, now we're talking. That sounds yeah. really good. So, like, for, are you a connoisseur me, of hot chocolate? Oh, I am. Okay, I am. she really is. Like, we went to a bunch of like <laughs> chocolate uh, shops in New York, and yeah. Oh, yeah. so uh, drinking chocolate. Oh, is the best. Yes. See, now <laughs> I, I am. I am both a connoisseur and I'm not picky in that like I just love warm 
melted chocolate. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will take whatever kind you have. But I definitely appreciate most. Yes, drinking chocolate is the best. Like sipping chocolate that is really like melted chocolate sometimes with cream. <laughs> I'm really kind of hungry for chocolate now. And, and spices is is by far the best. Did you knit your hat you're wearing? Um, I did not knit this one, but oh, I have knitted a hat like this so for Bobby pretty. that I made with them. Yeah, thank you. So you're a knitter and a chocolate drinker. Yeah. That's so the end of your perfect It would be like a perfect day would include a fireplace, which I don't have, but uh-huh. it would include a fireplace, mm-hmm. some kind of cozy blanket. No wonder you gravitate knitting toward burning and, buildings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> knitting and hot chocolate. All right. Mm-hmm. Anya? Uh, well, I'm having lots of stressful days <laughs> right now, so I'm practicing this one. Um so what I'm finding, uh, this like circles all the way back to your question mm-hmm. about like how you kind of like prepare for rehearsal. And this is kind of like the the other end of it, like after these rehearsals, which are um, kind of like carrying the whole container of the thing, um, I find that I have to kind of decompress mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, so I usually come home, do all of my mommy stuff that I need to do, and then um, I... Uh, I'm cycling through some comedies to like do some opposite to motion action. Nicest films and te- television and such. Uh, mostly like uh, like sitcoms. There oh. there are some like really good. Do you have some faves? I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I have another one for you okay. that that you will really love. Um, but uh, I have just discovered Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, which is I've heard that's funny. Hysterical. It's a really good show. Oh, nice. Um, so I I just finished binging that one, uh, and then I discovered Superstore, which is also really great and um what i love most about superstore is that they like slide in some really amazing social commentary like in between the the jokes mm-hmm. um they're like taking on walmart and like uh corporations and how they treat their workers oh. which is really beautiful um, oh, i'm gonna have to watch that i look at on occasion i'll see a blurb for it and i think that looks fun yeah, it's really great. You have to, like, the first couple episodes, they, like, are finding their strides. But oh. then after that, they, like, really establish some very on-point uh, commentary on, like, Walmarts, the Walmarts of the world and what they mean to, like, small businesses in Little the area people. and, like, you know, how they treat their workers, not giving them benefits and health care and, like, that kind of stuff. Keeping their hours just under the minimum. It's very, it's very on point. Um, so this kind of is a great, oh, go I'll ahead. Say, I'll, I'll say, mm. though, like, that question mm. is actually part, uh, goes back to your earlier question. It's actually part of holding the container. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I actually talk a lot, especially in the first few weeks of rehearsal, about saying this work, whether or not, something big comes up for you and, and hurrah, if it doesn't like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May you be so happy and healthy and, and feel fed by what you're doing. Um, but if, uh, but regardless of whether or not it does, I am asking you to spend so many hours of, of, of per week, you know, it, it's somewhere between 20 and 30, depending on the cast member, mm-hmm. um, in the room, which doesn't include the time they're working on their script or looking at their notes and everything at home. I'm asking you to spend, you know, a huge amount of time in this really intense material that is going to cost you something, mm-hmm. you know, so you need to make sure that you have something that you're doing to take care of yourself, to leave it here, just to, just to remember that even if it's not overwhelming you, which is our hope that mm-hmm. it's not, um, that it is taxing, on mm. you. You are giving something here. Right. And so make sure that you're doing something that is replenishing yourself, whatever that looks like, consciously, like before yeah. you're so depleted that something is broken. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that leads me into my 
my next question, which is, what's inspired you this week? Or this month? I was going to say this week in particular. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's inspired you? It could be anything. I think yesterday the snow inspired me. Mm. I just loved, it was so beautiful. And then I look out the window and it's quiet and everyone's calling and canceling, which I love. I'm, I love canceling. I'm like, cancel. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. Woo! I love canceling. Um, you know, what's inspired me lately? I, I had a, I've been thinking about that. I actually ask the, the cast that mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Um, just to bring things into the room so they can share them and we have a resource page. Mm-hmm. So whatever, you know, if somebody is like, oh, I'm watching this comedy right now and then everybody has access to it now or later. But um, what's really inspired me, the, you know, this piece, it's a new piece. Um, so it's constantly changing mm-hmm. as we're discovering things and making it together. It's also a really individualized piece. This is now like the fourth group of people that Anya and I together have worked on it mm-hmm. with in some workshop shape or form and it is dramatically different every time like the character shaping is really dependent on the specific actor as Mm. opposed to a a more traditional script that has a a pretty defined well-defined character Mm -hmm. that exists regardless of who's playing it Mm -hmm. um and uh and as with any new work there's been a bunch of challenges and with any production there's been a bunch of things that have uh been on fire and um and this particular group of people has just constantly rallied for each other or for us or like to help like every time something isn't working out somebody is like oh I've got a friend who does that Mm. I'll take care of that piece Mm -hmm. oh I've got you know and and last night three of our dancers were there for a chunk of rehearsal um and we weren't able to work on the thing that we'd originally scheduled to work on with mm-hmm. them. And they, so they all like put their heads together to uh, work on a bunch of music stuff, mm. like just without anybody asking them. Mm. That's one of the pieces that we're still working on finding mm. and we're late in the game for that. Mm. We haven't found things that we were like, yes about. Mm. Mm. And so they just all went up on their headphones and devices and they were talking with each other and mm. um, making use of the time and being like, yeah, I, I, no, I got that. That's awesome. And so that's really mm-hmm. every day somebody does something like that. It's mm-hmm. been really yeah. great. Um, likewise, the, uh, the just the the people on the projects are so inspiring. They're mm-hmm. just some of the most uh, wonderful and courageous and uh, just really empathetic human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the men. Uh, are so wonderful and caring and empathetic. And despite the fact that, like specifically the ones that are playing the assailants, Mm. um, there are three of them, um, they are the most lovely and wonderful men. You know, like we need more of them (laughs) in the world. And like their, their willingness as artists to play and experiment and go into those dark places. And then because they're such lovely, caring men like after it's over they are just like and you know like you can like see it melt away and you can see the the cost of that that of that going there for Mm. them Mm. and what you know lovely humans they are uh it's just beautiful and the whole cast is just so wonderful and um 
they just treat the project with such care and it's really inspiring. It's really beautiful. Well, yeah. I would just encourage everybody to support this kind of work at Shaking the Tree. And uh, the show's opening February 15th, and that will be just two days after everyone gets to hear this podcast. So I think everyone should be really excited to see how this work you're talking about comes to fruition. And you can check out what's happening at Shaking the Tree at shaking-the-tree.com. And... Anya and Jamie, thanks so much for sharing the mess. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia. Adventures in Artslandia is brought to you this week by Frame Central, whose mission is to bring your art to life and your life to art. Visit pnwframing.com for all their locations and services.